girls and welcome back to another episode of the Romantically Lit podcast featuring two undercover hopeless romantics who and review different black romance novels from across the diaspora. It's your lover girl, Hannah. And I'm Odelia. And on this week's episode, we tap into Tia Williams' love romance novel, A Love Song for Ricky Wilde. We are super excited to be returning back to Tia Williams because she is one of our favorite authors on the podcast. And so today we're going to be discussing the first six chapters. But of course, you know, if this is not your type of thing, feel free free, feel free <laughs> to jump into your favorite audio streaming platform and review and listen to some of our other equal romantic books such as Loving Color by Bolubo Lola and who else Adelia? Love Radio by the beautiful Miss Ebony Liddell exactly exactly and in this love shack of ours we have reviewed plenty of black romance novels and we know for a fact that we reviewed something just for you and on that note let us begin All right, guys, welcome back. As my bust down co-host stated, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, just that you've left me in braids land and you, you, you got Girl, it. we got to move on. In fact, my braids were, their expiry date was November 30th. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think you want people to know how long they were in for. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure every black girl can relate to this. <laughs> Anyhers, as um, Hannah stated, we are starting a book. I've been super duper excited to start, and I'm already in. I'm in love, and I'm obsessed, and I don't feel anything about it. Like, and I don't care. Um, you know what? Uh, us doing this book. First of all, I texted you earlier this morning and saying that it's gonna be so excited that this episode is gonna drop on the leap year date, yes. which is of the book. So I feel yes. like two Williams Tia Williams was there with us. She, she, she planned and coordinated with us. She said, exactly. I know y'all are going to take time to record that two-week space. You should have recorded Love and Color. And I just know, like, when I was writing it, even though I wrote this before this podcast existed. Right, right. I said, these two random-ass girls in Toronto, they, I just, her mind, her mind is like no other. The but, that um, she is. Mm. Anyway, so yeah, we're reviewing a love song for Ricky Wilde, which came out February like fourth or something. Right. Um, and yeah, so we were like, well, we gotta do it while it's so hot on the press, like. And as we said, we we love T. Williams on this podcast. We reviewed two of her books, so you can go listen to our episodes on Seven Days in June, where you will meet my um first podcast book boyfriend Shane. And then The Perfect Find, which was a hit or a miss on the podcast. But we... Be careful now. We are back in the T. Williams universe and we're ready to go. So we start with Miss Ricky Wilde, or actually her name is Richard Wilde Jr. Yes, um, she was supposed to be a son, yeah. but ended up being a daughter. But I guess it's just like the way they describe her, everything about her life is not as her family envisions it for her so from the fact that she was supposed to be a boy she's not a boy to you know the fact that she is like 15 years younger than her sister she has three sisters Rashida Ray and um Regina Regina and they all sound awful um 
and they're like a year apart so she was a retirement baby um yeah as my mama calls them and then you know she doesn't work in the funeral business that her family owns uh she she's just figuring out what she wants to do and right now as we meet her she's into horrid culture is that how you say, say it horror culture that was horticulture. Horticulture. There you go. Me and Miss Della yeah. both were like, whore, what? Like, I knew the word, but I've never said it out loud. So, yeah, it's something to do with plants, man. I don't know. Yeah, so she likes to make bouquets. I love the name of her her blog. Is it, um, why have I already forgotten? Botany, Botany Flowers Lately? Yeah. <laughs> it's a pun. I love a good pun. So it was, yeah. it's that. And, um, she, yeah, so she so we meet her. She's been engaged three times. She's twenty eight years old. Um, the prologue starts as Hannah stated on a leap year, and they're talking about the magic of leap years and like. Yeah. And if I know Miss T Williams, I have a feeling we're not going to go past the twenty ninth day of this, of this book of this year, because the way it starts, like in present time, I think from where the last chapter we read, it's like Feb fourth. So I feel like we're not going to go further than that like feb 29 um because of the magic you know yeah but uh happen you know along the way which is interesting listen, we'll get into and it. there was there's chapters in here that i didn't expect but we'll get there um so whoa sorry i just realized something about the book but anyway so our two interests are ricky ricky wild and ezra and I had this strange feeling. I know it makes no sense, but hear me out. There's two possibilities. Ezra is either a time traveler. Yeah. Okay. Or his like because his family they just keep naming the first son Ezra. He is a direct, uh, you know. Yeah. But then the the way the the fifth chapter ended just made me go, hmm, but time travel, because she's clearly yeah. living in the place that holds the piano that I think the Ezra that yeah. we meet has. So anyway, so back to the book. So we meet Ms. Ricky. She's going to a family meeting. They hold them on Sundays. No husband, no kids. And um, essentially, she's for the first time has a business idea to share which is that she wants to open up a floral shop which you know what i'm gonna be honest i don't know why her family thought that was so strange you run a funeral business you need flowers rather than open up a cafe where people go and drink coffee as they talk about their dead loved ones i would think a, a flower shop would make the most perfect of sense but that's just yeah me, you always need a flowers when it comes to yeah. funerals and they're Pretty expensive and it seems that the flowers or the bouquets that ricky puts together are very exquisite like she chooses quality over yeah. anything else um but her i think it's just because her family looks at her as a joke she's the youngest she was um, she's the black sheep of the family everybody <laughs> everybody laughs at her to the point that when she brought up the idea of having um opening up a floral shop one of her sisters said i don't know what you just said but it sounds poor and okay, I said, can we talk about that? Her sisters are so wretched. Like they are classes. They are bitchy. Like, oh my god! Like they hate her. They absolutely hate her. Genuinely, they don't have a good thing to say about her. Yeah, like you have to bring up her ex fiance number two at the family business. Yeah, and it's so sad because 
when we get introduced to the whole family dynamic and, you know, she's out there like really fighting for her life, trying to say like, I can do this. Like, you know, I already have a lot of followers on my IG page. I feel like I can make money off this. Her mom in the beginning, I'm thinking like she's an alcoholic, 100%. Because she's swinging that. She's swinging that thing in the dining table and be like, please, are you on those drugs? What are you talking about? What do you mean you want to be a, a, a horticulture, a whore? <laughs> and I was like, no, ma'am, please. And her father seems to be like, he's the head of the household, mm-hmm. very traditional. Um, he, I think he likes his, I think he likes Ricky and maybe I think behind just, the scenes they get along. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I think because he's such a business forward man, he's thinking to himself, like, girl, this sounds dumb. I don't know. You can't even be a receptionist at the funeral home. I don't know how you're going to end up, like, starting your own thing on your own, selling plants. And he says something uh, that, like, it sticks with her. And had it been me, it would stick with me. He says, like, you let things happen to you. And, you like, yeah. this crazy scenario just kind of meet you. And you do almost nothing to stop it. And I was yeah. like, ah, this is not what I expected. I thought we were going to be being like, hey, let me invest <laughs> in the business. No, and like, I, here's a business plan. He's like, no. You no, know, but they don't seem like the family that pours into you. Like, yeah. They're more the family that drains you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's not giving. But uh, yeah. So, but either way, she... She has her influencer bag going. She has her sponsorship money. Everything that she saved being a receptionist. Um, and she just needs to find the shop. Which she's struggling with. Until she meets the lovely Miss Della Bennett. Whose yeah. husband, who was a neurologist, has passed away. She's like 90 something. Yeah. So, and I think her husband was like a year older than her. He's passed away and she she walks into the funeral home, obviously, looking to do that. And then she strikes a conversation with her. She's like, you look sad. What's up? And you know, mm-hmm. she starts telling her about her flower business. And she's like, I have a spot in New York, in Harlem, under my brownstone. It's a shop. Come through. She looks at it and Ricky's like, yeah, this is where I need to be at. And um, we're, we're thrown into Harlem which is obviously home of the Harlem Renaissance, which Ricky's yep. a huge fan of and is a huge part of history, Black American history especially. Um, but, yeah, so she says, yeah, I'm leaving Atlanta, and guess what, honey? We're back in New York. We have got to leave. <laughs> we have got to leave New York. <laughs> like- it's crazy because... <laughs> Um, the timeline is is twenty twenty four, is it not? Yeah. So where we are after chapter six is twenty twenty four. So she's talking to her, and it's twenty twenty three, I think. September first okay, so, to like. Yes. No. She moves in September. She moves in September, so it's like April to September, somewhere between there, where she tells her family, and then her dad says, "You got here's your two weeks notice," and then yeah, you gotta go. Yeah. Um, it's shocking how you want to move to New York with the rental prices and how everything is and how Harlem is very much so gentrified. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, but she has a place to go with a nice older black lady. Yeah, which she's very lucky to have because New York, it's looking rough out for people who have not been there for a while. Or ever. Or ever. Even Ricky, she said she's only driven past it to get to the Hamptons. 
of which we learned she's banned from for uh, trying to release frogs or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they used to summer in, in the Hamptons. Ooh. Yeah, they're real uppity. I'll tell you that much. Um, yeah, because if you start using some summer as a verb, then you you have money. Not summer as a... Yeah, when you start saying, I'm summering in... Uh, yeah. I'm summering in, in Brampton. <laughs> Yeah, only rich people use summer as a verb. <laughs> the rest of us, it's just oh, it's a season. <laughs> Honestly, and um, yeah. well, anyways, but I think something special about Miss Bennett because we are reading a romance book is the yeah. fact that the love she has for Doctor Bennett, whose past is like no other, and it really mm-hmm. stuck with me. And she brings it back up in the book, but like she she says, um, Doctor Bennett was music I could listen to forever. Like damn, how do you love somebody and I think that, that much? I think that's a type of love that Ricky also would want to have. Anyone would want to have because that is so deep to say. Yeah. And because there's like I'm just looking at the themes, like the her um, the music around. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's you know his the press her love interest is gonna have that same element that maybe what Doctor Bennett had for um, Della Bennett. I mean, I that's my nice. so, but yeah. We, we hope. Um, so yeah, so Ricky's like, I'm gonna open a, lo- a brunch shop, brunch shop. Sorry, a flower shop. The reason I'm thinking brunch is because in the meeting, her sister brings up that cafe, and I read oh, my cafe, notes. Cafe. Yes, the brunchification, brunchification of death. Because why yeah. would I, my loved one die? And you start asking, like, do you want like a you know avocado toast? top with salmon like to talk about your dead loved one like no i don't want that like please just show me the yeah they're (laughs) they're like because they have a bunch of franchises they're they're um capitalism off like funeral and death it's crazy because even when miss bella walked in and you know they were having a conversation she was just like oh you know like my sisters or my father want me to like convince her to go get a 250 dollar central spa treatment yeah uh no, <laughs> I need a casket. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're reminding me of Phaedra from um, Real House of right. Potomac. <laughs> Phaedra's had so many jobs that I forgot that we, that she went to like funeral school. <laughs> yeah. She said, I'm going I want to have the biggest funeral home uh, so you can have deaths worth dying for. Yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah. But I feel that's like one. It's so, you, you think that's what Miss Tia was inspired by? Because she is in Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> it made me think he said, of, oh, do, you remember, <laughs> do you remember Netflix had that show um, it was about this family who ran this funeral business in like Detroit or somewhere it was like a mock season two right? yeah, yeah. Oh, what is it called was it a mockumentary or was it actual it real reality, people but it was filmed like they're funny, yeah, a mockumentary you know? yeah what happened to Netflix did you cancel it one thing about Netflix I'm a Google. Anyway, mm-hmm. so on to chapter two. So, <laughs> so she moves. Our girl moves to New York, and um, she has like she saved up enough for six months to pay the rent without worry, which is what a smarticle particles does. Um, and she loves to play. She's like prepared herself. She already loved the Harlem Renaissance, but she's like prepared herself deeper by like doing all sorts of reading of books and films and music at the time and like 
I was learning. So I was like, Ooh, I should take notes, honey. Like, let me get into it. Um, cause I mean, I know the Harlem Renaissance in broad terms, but I don't know like the specific, like, like the stuff that she named. I was like, Oh, I don't think I've dibbled or dabbled in this. Like I've not even seen like Harlem nights, but, um, she, she loves the place. She, it's a studio. It's a, flower shop a front shop and then there's a studio behind where she'll be staying and in the studio is this piano is it the whole piano or the piano seat it's i think it's a whole piano yeah like a like an oak it's made out like a very vintage vintage wood i don't know it's like an oak piano definitely from a time way way back when you know duke like Ellington was still exactly exactly um and she's absolutely obsessed with it and that spot i think that's where sometimes she actually sleeps on top of it i think she falls asleep yes, which I thought was um, weird, but to each their own um, she says it's better than sleeping on a mattress for, uh, i'm not so sure about that but you know um, i guess it just has like a, there's a sentimental connection to it which i feel like it's it's gonna be adding up as oh, we yeah. read through the book and yeah. you know my time traveler theory is not over yet oh no it is just began okay. so yeah but she loves the place she's decorating how she wants it she's adding like instagram-esque elements because one thing about modern business is that you got to decorate in a way where people yeah. would come and just want to take photos it makes me think of um that cafe yeah. in miss in mississauga at square one where they had aubrey drake like crying and it's like a the ice cream place he's like he used to it's like the hotline bling reference yeah it's like why you why you why'd you come to peace streets and cry or something along those lines like yes. I, I remember and they have like the shakes and were horrible until right now <laughs> the shakes would were horrible and they made you pay like 15 dollars for it That's and i'm just saying. like and they were selling t-shirts too and i was like what is this business like, you don't know <laughs> nobody knows <laughs> Um, but Pinterest is your friend when you start up a business in this modern age. You just go there, type in, you know, aesthetic uh, flower shop and boom. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. So she's doing all that. And one day, like, she realizes she has no friends. So the only friend she got is Miss Della, who's told her, you got to see me at least once a week. Let's watch some British Bake Off. Let's have some tea. Because, you know, she's yeah. a good lady. She's like, keep me company. And just make sure yeah. you pay your rent on time. But she's like, okay, outside this old lady, I don't really got friends. Like, in this city, I've never really had friends. And I'm not good at making them. Like, she went to a little thing, and, like, it was just awkward. She made a joke, yeah. which she's, she's filled with fun facts, which I love personally. But um, nobody could hear her when she was telling her fun facts. So somebody ended up thinking she was, like mexican-american but like black mexican-american and she was too nervous to like i would be them. too nervous too. i'm so like okay bye <laughs> and, left. and i was like oh ricky <laughs> i'm an introvert too i would have just i'm like mm-hmm <laughs> i walked away because i would never see this person again hopefully ever Listen, ever see that person but she does meet three people three miracles she calls three miracles, them yeah and almost like back to back. So the first one being her task rabbit who built um, her Ikea furniture. I would have loved one this week when I was trying to build this bookshelf. Uh, but Ali, Ali is a painter and he is what she later describes in anger. She describes him as like a sentient Buddha statue, which I thought yeah. was hilarious. Um, 
but he's just very like crystals and chakras and like loves conspiracy theories and it's like is Rob Kardashian Ted Cruz or what was it the Zodiac Killer and sometimes I'm like the way Miss T is writing I feel like she's trying to name certain people but she doesn't want to get in trouble like earlier she tried to name NeNe Leakes but yeah. she didn't want to you know because you could have just said Ted Cruz because we all know Ted Cruz is a Zodiac Killer but um, she's not trying to she's like listen I, I i'm just i just write books listen <laughs> but ali is very that and he doesn't have much else to talk about and he's not that great in bed but he's there and so she's entertaining him so the yeah. next miracle is this child actor who's fallen out of grace walks into runs into her place looking hiding from some boys who knew who she was and yeah. as she describes them, you know, they got their first heart on when she was on TV and they feel like they own her. And she's no longer in Hollywood because she reported her agent for sexual harassment. And we know what happens to people in Hollywood who come out about those stories. So, mm-hmm. uh, but her name is Tuesday Row, which is very child actorish name. Um, so, yeah, so she and then the last miracle is... Um, if I remember correctly, she she opens up the the flower shop and is a boom yeah, the first does. month, December first, and yeah. everybody loves her bouquets, especially because it's um winter time, Christmas time, and some of the stuff is more muted and what she's put out isn't. And um, the minute January hits, it's like crickets. Like, it was dry. Yeah, hundred percent. Which, Which, you know, is a trend for uh, a flower shop, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or businesses such as that, where they 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 really are based on seasonality, you know what I mean? I only go to the flower shop, I know Dilly don't like flowers, but I only go to the flower shop Christmas time, New Year's, maybe February, maybe June, and that's it. I want to be clear, I don't not like flowers, I have like, is an affinity for them, like, or I'm apathetic to them, like, they're just, I'm like, oh, cute. Yeah. Okay. And then I just kind of like. So you're indifferent to the flowers. You're yeah, indifferent to the flowers. I just like. Okay. I personally love me a good flower. Let me tell you. Mm, a bouquet. Yes. You put but some baby. The baby love of my that. life is listening. I would love a bouquet of flowers. It would make me cry. Please send them my way. Thank yes. You. Thank you, Adelia. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's the third miracle is that everything was, you know, what happens is that she was completely tr- distraught to the fact that all of a sudden things went dry and people were not coming through the doors. And I think she was worried because she sold her car and she, um, you know, took out everything out of her savings. Just like, I don't know how I'm going to keep this up. You know what I mean? I want to continue paying the rent for this place, um, but things are hard. And so she goes on a little walk and that ends up having her walk into a park and then there was this like um is it a statue or just more like a plaque it's a plaque of where yeah um something lounge used to be epic yeah. epic eden eden, eden lounge, lounge. which was a black and speak speakeasy easy which is very important for the story yeah very important yes. and she got stuck on the last line which said black brilliance let me find it uh, when black brilliance captivated the world, something along those lines, and she yes. was very stuck in it because the de- the the lounge ended up closing because of uh, a fire, electrical fire, and it kind of begins the end of the Harlem Renaissance. Yeah, which I felt like it was so short. 
What? The Renaissance? Yes. Didn't it go into the 30s? I mean, the Renaissance was part of like, the yeah, but then the World right. War came. Oh, and so when there's a war, you know, things. Yeah. So when the war came, you know, because the, the Harlem Renaissance was around a time of boom. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wish we had a boom right now. But everything's busty right now. Um, but yeah, essentially, that's You're what right, it is. Because it had to go with the 20s, the 20s with the flappers and the dance. Exactly. The, I mean, it's, it's giving uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in that movie. Great Gatsby. Great Gatsby, yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The exactly. 20s. There we go. It's like thriving 20s. Yeah, right. the... Flapper girls. Yeah. So I yeah. guess it kind of makes sense. But yeah, because then the depression happens 29th of something, like the stock market yep. crashes. Um, exactly. 20, I mean, I ninth, the stock market crashes. But anyway, so she sees that and then she has this smell. It's jasmine, like. Um, and It's night, night blooming jasmine. Yes. So Which she... I do not know it was called that because at home we have it we have it in in our garden mm-hmm. but we call it at home the night rose that's what we call the night rose I actually wrote a whole poem about it yeah the night rose because at nighttime it's so fragrant so fragrant you cannot miss it like it can it can seduce you to wherever you're going and it only grows the way they describe it in the book it only grows from like October to March or something. Yeah, maybe North America, those are like the blooming times at home. I think it's usually like all season, maybe. Okay. Um, but it's so crazy. And during the day, you wouldn't even think this particular um, plant can have any fragrance. It just looks like a normal plant. It's just only at night it comes alive, which is such a... God is great, y'all. Which is so weird. It's so weird. But anyway. So yeah. she's smelling it and it leads her to a mysterious gentleman who she's enamored with. Like she's immediately like, it's like, I know you. And he yeah. stares at her, but then he disappears in the night. Like, which is crazy. The way I but what we know about him, like... <laughs> I need you to describe, I need you to describe it. Because I already, I already described in my head, the chiseled face. Yes, with like golden- a hat. Yeah. with you know this little hat on and like a trench coat and it's like all yes. black, and it's like i gotta go like it you know what i mean like, like it blows the wind. Coat. like i i know i know <laughs> Listen, I like, Damn, me, okay. me and ricky were enamored we're like what is going on in the shadows i'm attracted to the shadow i was like who is this gentleman like i know but who it she is felt but she didn't, feel, she didn't feel scared i think she felt like i we we've known each other we know each other Crazy. Which is the magic of this book. Like, I did not think that this was going to be one of the themes, but it's very interesting how, like, this fantasy magic is being portrayed. And I really, really yes, enjoying I that. I did not expect the story of chapter three and six or five to come through. I was yeah. like, oh, okay. But um, can we just say, this is a beautiful cover. Like, girl, this is beautiful. <laughs> I was like, who is this? Yeah. Damson? This is not Damson Idris. <laughs> Girl, this is not Damson Idris. Let me tell you who this is. This is now. I finally have the opportunity to say this. This is Yolanda Noel. This is <laughs> Yolanda Noel. If you guys do not know who Yolanda Noel is, I need you to, first of all, Google. And secondly, go and watch Insecure because he plays Daniel in Insecure. And I think the myst- he has a very mysterious type of um, vibe. And I just like that. I think that if I could pinpoint an actor, my mind will go to him 
immediately. This man looks like Damson Idris, though. No, Damson Idris does not have a chiseled jawline. Sorry, y'all. I'm looking at the book. Which was also described here that he has a chiseled jawline. A com- it's an impossible jawline and a stern, commanding brow. I think this is more of a Elan Noel. So I'm going to say, you, you know who my second option is going to be? Who? Trevante Rhodes? No, not Trevante Rhodes. Uh, oh, I don't really want to think about him since this weekend. I'm going to be very real with you. <laughs> oh, um, who is it? Aldous Hodge. <laughs> yeah, I said it. Aldous Hodge. You're so predictable. <laughs> you're so predictable. No, you're, you're so predictable. predictable. Like, I knew you were going to put Aldous Hodge right there. Like, it's always Aldous Hodge for you. Oh, every day. Hodgey Podge. Hodgey Podge. Because that's anyway. Who, I'm telling you guys, though, this is damn teenagers. I'm telling you right now. Anyways, so in the book, so chapter three, this man runs away. We go, we're transported back to feb 1st 1923 and this story this chapter so far is my favorite like me too i think because i love the history i uh yes. I, I love the history it's and just a, the history storytelling that, that gets me all the time yes i think i'm slowly becoming a period piece girly like i love it um yeah i love it and i just like uh, there's just so much it's just so much here it's just so much I just don't imagine people will look, and this might be naive of me to say, I just don't imagine people will read the stuff of our time period and, and think about it in the way in which we think about it. 100% right, because all we do on our in our generation is create these hypotheticals. If you are on Black Twitter, you understand what I mean. You know, you know like, it's um, just, it's not the same. No we don't even create music that is this powerful. Like they're, the names here that I wrote down, like I, I was, I just kept hearing names. I was like, God, whoa, whoa! Like this yeah. man is in Harlem. He's dealing with Duke Ellington, Ma Rainey, Bessie Smith. Like, yeah, what they said. Zora Neale Hurston may walk in. Like, what do you mean may walk in? <laughs> um, Josephine Baker. I said Josephine uh, Baker. What? Hello. Yeah. If I did this yeah. in modern day, let's say, okay, fine. Modern day Harlem. Who gonna walk in? ASAP Rocky. Girl. <laughs> and that's not distant Mr. ASAP. But <laughs> it that just is a don't hold up. It don't hold up. No, you're right. I think it's, um, you, what impact have some of our artists have, have had to the times? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because people, the people who were like, doing the, um, of course, the Harlem Renaissance, they were making art that were reflecting the times and yeah. how things were. A lot of us, a lot, not a lot of us, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I read, um, a lot of them were escaping the South, going up North, exactly. trying to Mass find this new thing. Migration. So. Exactly. They brought their stories. And that's why even in this book, when we move into this chapter in particular, we're now following the lineage of Ezra, um, Ezra's grand, great, 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 great daddy. We don't, great. Or time traveler. Ezra you know, anyway, that, that person, you can see in when he's pouring into his music, it's coming from a place of somewhere else. What we do nowadays is we just hop into the AI toolkit and figure out, mm, 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 what would the people like? People don't make albums anymore. They don't make albums anymore. All right, Beyonce. Every episode you mentioned Beyonce. Like, give it a rest. <laughs> I did mention her. I referenced her. Every I did mention episode. her. 
Anyway, let's get into this particular chapter, which is called... Actually, the chapters will have names, you guys. Uh, this chapter is called... Uh, what's it called? No, Carol... Uh, okay. Caroline... Do you want me to no, find out? Carol, shout, shout. Please, Adelia, quickly. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> Carolina, shout. That's what it is. That's Maybe. the name of the chapter. Yeah, yeah, I found it. Carolina it's Shout, chapter. Yeah. Carolina Shout. Carolina Shout, no Carolina, because Carolina is somebody who I yeah, know. I All right. South Carolina. Um, yes, Carolina. Anyway, so we meet Breeze Walker, or who I believe is Ezra Walker, because he says that's the name of his father's first son, and he makes it sound as though he is his father's first son, and I don't believe someone would name their kid Breeze. So... <laughs> nickname. <laughs> it only makes sense. Breeze. Oh, you know, I know a bunch of people who name their children Breeze. Just go go to um any person's uh notes app. You'll find a name, a bunch of names that they want to name their kids, and Breeze is definitely yeah, one I've come I across. I just want you guys to remember is you're picking names. Your kid has to go to work. They have to go to school. Be yeah. realistic. Your kid is not going to be a rapper. Exactly. And one day your kid is going to go to school with my kid and my kid is going to come home and tell me, mommy, mommy, there's someone in school called Breeze. I say Breeze. <laughs> like on purpose and I'm gonna or is it a nickname more. or it's on their birthday. Yeah, I don't know. No, mommy, that's, that's their govy. I said, that's their govy. I'm like, okay, listen, <laughs> the, that's when the bullying is going to start ensuing. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so Mr. Breeze Walker is born in on the 19th hundred, which is crazy. Um, but <laughs> but uh, he is a 23-year-old man when we meet him. He's just arrived yeah. in New York off the train, fresh off the train from Fallon County. I don't know what state it is, but it's in the south. And um, he's looking for a fresh start because as of the past four years, he was a sharecropper. Um, yep. Not by choice, but by life. Uh, before that, he was in the army. He fought in the First World War. And mm -hmm. I actually really want to talk about this is the fact that um, people who... So he fought in the First World War. He was stationed in France. His commanding officer was French. And, of course, he said it was a welcomed difference because he said it's good to know that not all white people are the same because they treated him with a sense of respect that the, the yeah. Americans did not treat black Americans with. Of, mm -hmm. that we know of but then I think what's really interesting is like obviously I've heard this before people like James Baldwin Nina Simone Langston Hughes or Neil like they all talk about their experience abroad in Europe and how they're like appreciated and worshipped and like you know what I mean and I just think like it's so interesting to me because at the same time that they're going to these places and they're experience they're like revered um and I think you can also say it in current times as well, is the fact that they're revered for what they are, but like the the people from the other black people who come from other places of black populations are not treated with the same kind of glory that they're treated with. If if what I'm saying is making sense. Like, um, I think about like Usman Sembene's uh black girl. About the yeah. Senegalese girl who goes in beautiful movie, guys. She goes to France. She yeah. has to work as like a nanny, and she's treated horribly by the French to the point yeah. where she essentially she unalives herself. And um, 
it's just so different. I think like even now, like the way in which Europeans treat migrants who cross through the boats and stuff to like, you know, against like African-Americans who do go and like live there. And the minute they hear your accent, they're like, oh, oh my God, suddenly the racism has left my body. Like, Yeah, it leaves their body. I think because you know what? I, I, this is my own opinion. I feel like even though, of course, like James Baldwin and everyone, the way they spoke about their treatment, the treatment in the U.S. is horrible, yes. right? But when they leave the U.S., they still carry the privilege of being American. Yeah. And I think that's something you can never, ever forget. You're African American. That's why even when African Americans come to my country, they're treated very well, because they carry that American privilege, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, like you know what I mean? They may hate you in your country, but but you know, you you're American. You have power. You know what I mean? It's associated yeah. with power. I'm close to power, and I think that's like I don't know. We've adopted universally this idea that Americans just even the even the most bumpkin American is the most the one that you must respect the most. Yeah, and I think, like, it, there's so much to say about that, because, like, even in that time period, when you look at what France Fanon wrote, writes, like, is it yeah. white, black skin, white mask? Like, mm-hmm. he is a product of French colon- colonization, being from Guadeloupe. And, you know, again, he doesn't have that accent. He probably, nope. and to a certain extent, I think there is something to be said about the magical Negro trope, because you're talking about these people who are revered, like they're writers, they're singers, composers. Also into that too. You know, <laughs> they have something magical about them that they more. want. Yes. Yeah. At the time, jazz is booming, rhythm and blues is booming. Like, you know, people, everybody's yeah. scatting. Everybody's doing the little scat. Yeah, really? And even when um, Ezra Breeze was, um, you know, drafted for uh which war is this the first world war, first world war. and you know they were they were entertaining him with his music you know what i mean he'd yeah. been the piano like banging like the, the latest jazz and, and everyone's like oh my god this exactly. man got got, exactly. got the jig on and they respect you because of that there's even because you have movie um it's a little later but i remember watching it in history class it's like these kids who were german and they rejected nazism and mm-hmm. part of their rebellion was like well, part of what Hitler did, he's like, no foreign music, no this, this, right? Because you have to condition people into this lifestyle. So he took away jazz clubs, things like that, swing. So, but they were obsessed with American swing. And they used yeah. that as part of their rebellion to not have to join like the SS and like things like that. Like it fed into their, how they thought like, I mean, so much of black existence is, re- or back, yeah, black existence is resistance. So it's not shocking to me that these German kids use swing music to like fight back against this very oppressive government that's in their country and telling them, you know, they should hate everybody else. But like, yeah. again, there's just something so magical. That's why when you go to certain places like, you know, China, everybody thinks you look like Beyonce or something. <laughs> but like, you have to Beyonce, Michelle Obama on the streets. Like, please. Literally. And it's like, why would Michelle be here? Let's think about it for a second. Yeah. Why would Michelle be in the in the fish shop with you? But um, Listen, but yeah, but someone just... called me Brandy one time, and I said, "Please <laughs> don't insult me." No, genuinely, don't insult me. <laughs> don't insult Miss Brandy. But um, exactly, I know who I am. I'm not Miss Brandy. <laughs> but yeah, but it was just like it's it's just crazy. Like it's so interesting to read these testimonies from African Americans. 
yeah. in within the state context, like even now, and I think it works both ways because I saw a TikTok with this British man who was in the South in America, and the minute oh, yeah. he opened his mouth and he started speaking pip pip but, cheerio, they said, they said "Whoa, <laughs> we love they you said, guys." <laughs> He said, you know, like the others. Exactly. <laughs> English. Meanwhile, his accent's South London, but they can't tell the difference. <laughs> so I, I think yeah. in that context, it works both ways. But it, it's, it is, there is something to be said there. And I'm sure some academic with better words than yeah. me can write about it. But it, yeah, but he, he goes to war, comes back. Of course, as many Black Americans do, every time they go to war, they come back and realize they're t- treated the same, if not worse, worse than when they left, because they came back and the white cracker said, "Ah, don't you ever think? Don't think we're equals." Hello, thank you for your service, but don't think we're equals. Which leads to him, like the grocery store owner, he said, "Thank you," and he said, "You, you, you know, you just you said that was yeah. some attitude and beat him to the point, like, a, like a blink of his life, essentially." Yeah, and um. Which led to him not going to church the next day where they were holding a service for veterans. His family yeah. were on his behalf and they burnt and lynched the whole church. His cousin, Sonny, got away just barely. And I'm yeah. just thinking, and he says something, he's like, let, like, uh, later on, he's like, who the hell burns down a church? Like, but one thing yeah. I learned about white people throughout history and currently is the, there are no rules of war for them. Like, the, those rules are for, like, show. So, yeah. yeah. It's all pretend. All pretend. Burning a church, losing your whole family, just like that in a fire. Um, I cannot imagine the type of trauma you carry with you from that moment onwards. And, you know, even though his cousin decided to run off, he's like, listen, I cannot be here. Like, this is it for me. I, You were not there. I, I barely made it, yeah. like Odile said. And, you know, he decided to stay for a little bit, which guilty. honestly, yeah, he has survival's, survivor guilt. Um, and what did they call that day? Was it like the Red Summer, Red Massacre? Or what are they, I think there was a name for it where they those crackers lost their minds. Let me tell you, they were, it's basically Tulsa 1923. You know what I mean? They were just yeah. taking everything down. Um, such evil, such evil in this world. I know. And it continues to happen. Let's, uh, and, this yeah. is not 1923, okay? This is 2024 and stretches even beyond that. Uh, and he, he didn't speak for four years, became a sharecropper. Um, yeah. Even sharecropping is a crazy thing, like, because it's really like one step away from slavery. Yes, it's laborious. <laughs> yeah. I think in the book he described that there even this one time that he worked so hard that his back was aching, and so in in terms of like trying to pick up stuff, he would find oh. a a way to like bend. Yeah, he'll crawl to just, and pick from both sides. Like at that point, you'd rather just be dead. I listen, listen. I, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. But this man eventually, but his cousin Sonny keeps sending him letters, keeps sending him music from um, New York. And yeah. I think he hears like a Duke Alley. He, the way he describes it is so funny. He's like, this artist and this artist and this artist. And then some kid named Duke Ellington that they say is good. And I was like, what? <laughs> do you mean in a sentimental mood? Duke Ellington? Is you mean Duke Ellington? The kid? No, 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 no. I was no. like, you would have to put some respect on Mr. Duke, okay? Um, 
but he he like runs to the church to play the record learns how to i i used to know a guy named theophilus who was like that like he could hear he didn't know like music notes but he could hear the yeah. music and then played on a piano and i'm like that is talent Perfect like, pitch. listen yeah that is real talent and so it he is. did that and then eventually he found something in himself where he's like i gotta live i gotta do this music thing like i gotta make myself and my family proud like you know so he gets on a one-way trip to new york and like many people he's like i'm gonna make something of myself you know in yeah. that magical city that they say and clearly miss tia loves it because we've yet to leave here <laughs> um yeah. i like new york too i've still not been have not been but one day but um she he gets there and, and it's you know i love country bumpkins i do they're my favorite i, I was waiting and you know like when sunny said you can have bumpkin thoughts here i said, i know who's gonna like this adila's gonna like this no i wrote that down he said hold this toothpick so folks don't know you're thinking bumpkin thoughts and i was yeah. like yeah, and I knew you were going to write that down because Adila loves her little bumpkin. I do, she I do. I love a bumpkin. And I, and I want to be clear, I love them not just in the American context. Like, I think, yeah. like, in the African context, it's like the villager who goes to the city. Like, <laughs> I love and it. And you know, his, I feel like um, Ezra's um, first night in New York must have been overwhelming the way it's described in the book. Listen. He was just like, and he was staring at people and he was doing and he was just like what is going on like I, it's it's a very over um stimulating place to yeah. be and and i can imagine doing that time with all the music and all the loudness and of course like it's prohibition so like there's there's even more chaos and happening it's New York in itself and so yeah and you know like even like and you have to re- he's a bumpkin true and true but also like he's a black man who's been in the south so for instance First of all, Sunny, whatever he's doing is a little dodgy because he's clearly paying off policemen and like, yeah. you know, he's shaking hands with them. Meanwhile, his cousin's like looking down and yeah. he's like, you don't have to do that here. He's like, the war- America does not have space for a humble Negro, as he says. Yeah. And he says, white people aren't the same here. And I was like, mm, maybe to an extent, but <laughs> the NYC PD is the same <laughs> Yeah, NYPD yeah. is pretty awful. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe they're a little different. They're probably not lynching people at, you know. But that, that they're is doing also, other ways. It's, it also depends, right? Because, like, if you go to places not too far from there, like Boston. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, everybody says, oh, the North. And no, there's, there's layers to this. So, and he mentions yeah, it later on. Borders. Because, yeah, Sunny's yeah, whole thing is they want to be us, which they've always wanted yeah. to be us, but they don't want to wear us. They yeah, want our essence. Exactly. And it's, that's just a fact. It's it, even till this day and beyond this day, it's going to be that that fact. Yes. So um, essentially, though, he enters a, a piano contest. And who's yeah. there? Again, Ma Rainey's playing the piano. Listen, <laughs> Duke Ellington the toasting the in there. I was like, hello. And then. <laughs> He's playing Duke Ellington's music, and they're like, "No, don't play it word for word. We want to see you put your style on it, like because yeah. then, you know." And he does that. And one thing that really, you know, is his sound, but I think it's just the sound of like, I always say this in particular with like older African American music and South African music is like you can hear the struggle. In I can hear the pain. Saying. Yeah, 
yeah like, there's a way in which both those specific two groups for me when they make music they- you're like you can hear like generations of pain and um, he does that because he's thinking of his family. He's thinking about the life of a black man in the South. And like he puts that into his music. And maybe that's what when I was saying earlier, maybe that's what's missing. Like going back to Mr. ASAP of House Rocky, like <laughs> the man who says that he doesn't care about Black Lives Matter because he's like. <laughs> it's crazy for someone, a black person to say that. <laughs> it's very crazy. He's like, I'm wearing Gucci. I'm doing this. Like I'm, I'm chasing a bag. What are you doing? And. For the benefit of yourself, an individual, okay. Listen, and so for someone to say all that and then, like, the the music lately does lack that. It does lack a, you know, it lacks a something. I think that's why people like Kendrick, because Kendrick has a little bit of, like, you know. I think Kendrick, I know y'all like to twerk to Kendrick Lamar in the club, but truthfully (laughs) speaking... Because you know that meme of, you know, one of his songs will play and people will be there, like, twerking to it. I'm just like, you don't twerk to Lamar music, okay? You don't. Y'all grind and twerk to anything. I've learned. Anything. anything. We've, seen it in, we've seen it in real life. Listen, it's actually it's it's scary. Shocking. I could put on a church song right now and some of you will get <laughs> hands on your knees. Like, <laughs> it'll be scary. You're right. I'm 100 right. I think, like, you're absolutely right. Like, I think the music nowadays doesn't really feel like you guys are re- are really trying to consume what's going around and putting it back to the music and, and having a contribution to our generation there's n- there's no one who's doing that I, I i personally think there isn't um some of y'all can try but it's, it's not working and i think like i know like, you know what's ov- obviously what's going on in palestine is awful and everything mm-hmm. and now i'm seeing a lot of art coming out and everything and everyone's re- you know People who are suffering are the ones making the art, making the music, making the writing, trying to reflect what's going on. So in the future, when we come, when we re-listen to this stuff, we're going to be like, this is, this music was made here, this art was made here for this, because what was going on here. The big artists who just want to capitalize off us and exploit us don't give two dimes and a shilling about what's going on. They just want to make hit after hit and move on with their lives. And I think that's what's so crazy, because in the past, right, like... I'm thinking about like again like Nina Simone hears about a massacre and then writes Mississippi goddamn yeah. piano. Today, yeah, who's <laughs> our Mississippi goddamn? <laughs> Listen, and you know what? I'm gonna mention her. I love Mrs. Beyonce down. I love her down, and you know Hannah loves her yeah. even more. But like the way in which she capitalizes off the black struggle for her own personal gain, I know that there probably is a little bit of like emotional value there, but she doesn't understand her position yeah. when she's making certain music. Like at first it was cute with lemonade. You're like, okay, yeah, come you on. We're getting there. Black is king too. I really like that 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 record. But by the time we got to Black Parade, I was like, huh, huh. <laughs> it sounds like you're trying to sell something to me, <laughs> and I don't like it. Okay. Yeah. It's you're you're forcing us to to make you wealthier, to make you a billionaire, because that's your goal, clearly. Yeah. And it's not working because look at our environment, look at our world. There's a World War Three happening. Um, there's a recession. People are homeless. People who have degrees, are you know homeless. what I mean, are homeless. You're making music for what? You and know what I mean? It's also like you're making the music and it sounds empty, like we're saying. It doesn't hold that. You know, yeah, because and it's not because you live comfy in Beverly Hills, but it's because we can tell you're not actually. I'll always say if if you really care about what you're you're talking about, you will open up a book 
and you will read it. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not reading the struggles of the people before. You're not no. actually listening to real activists, you know. So it whatever you're making, the art you're making feels empty. You know, you yeah. can put on the wig all you want, but you'll never be Basquiat. No, you can't. You can't pay homage to people who struggled and you like how can you? You you you've distanced yourself from that. You're yeah. very far off the grid, to be honest, and that's just the reality of it. Yeah, and and that's just that. But he plays the piano. It sounds great, and they're like, I think the last thing they say is more. Like I don't know who it was, but they're like, play was, some more. He said more. You know what? It's so important for him to say that because when he was young, his parents were like, "What is wrong with this kid? He wouldn't speak at all." And you you know his church going and everything and that one time he hopped on that piano and just started playing Mm -hmm. he said his first word which is more because everyone was so shocked that he couldn't do all this and I think like it's a full circle moment for him to go up there and perform in front of these people and they're completely like wow this person's talented and the first thing he said was just more should I entertain you and that was just I loved that chapter yeah Uh, if I print it out and just like you know what I mean? <laughs> Make it like a gallery of my wall, I would. Mm-hmm. No, and I think also, like, it's so funny how, like, Sonny's talking about he's a bumpkin, like, the way that he has that Southern draw, like, you know. And I'm mm. just like, but the, the influence of Southern music on, like, Black black American music and then to the world is yeah, infinite. Like, without, like, even we're talking about people like Ma Rainey, she was going on, what do they call them, Chiclet? tours <laughs> around the south like that sound is yeah. southern music like y'all are just southerners who moved up <laughs> like you know yeah. what I mean so yeah. the, the influence and I th- it made me think of like like we don't pay enough respect to the south and I find like a lot of southerners say this themselves but we don't like I think about Andre 3000 getting on that stage at what used to be what was it the Source Awards which don't even exist anymore but like the Source Awards listen and him saying the south got something to say about hip-hop but like realistically southern influence has been in it may have started in new york it may have huge grounds in in la and california but all those elements started in the south to begin with so it's just so interesting like the south is music essentially we owe everything to those people to the south 100 percent it was a beginning. It will be the end forever. The legacy is so strong. So, um, but yeah. Next chapter. <laughs> chapter four. <laughs> chapter four. Because <laughs> I was trying. I'm trying to remember them by names, but also Aww. by letters. And it's it's still my memory is is gone. It's I not just here. Chapter four. So I can't even okay. help you. So chapter four is where it's actually called mysterious benefactor. That's how I remember what's mm. going on. So yeah. we come back to uh, present day, which now is February third. I think this is the is it the next day from the pre previous yes. present day. So okay, every chapter five, chapter four, and five are like days apart. So she yeah, she comes back and she's like, I need to make money, but at the same time, Ali has like this showing because he's a painter. And yes. she's like, why am I even dating this man? I think Tuesday says this to her at the show later on. She's like, he's not cool. He's kind of aimless. He's not smart. He's not that cute. Not- uh, like he's the way you speak to me, you were really dumb. Like, if, if so, <laughs> I know if you spoke to me, I would think to my head, what in the world are you made of? <laughs> and um, but so she's like, maybe, 
oh and i think before that no no never mind but then she like she's just asking herself she's like maybe i am just letting things happen to me because i'm just letting this man be in my life and i'm thinking about a love where i want to hear his music all day forever i do not want to listen to ali every day no it's just grating sound um and like she she keeps it keeps ringing in her ear what her father told her the last time they spoke which is just like you let things happen to you so she thinks like am i is this happening like am i doing it again why do i constantly fall into these same old traps like what's happening um, and so they go to this gallery where Ali is going to be showing, I guess he has like three portraits that he's going to show. Yes. And he's really excited to show, um, <laughs> um, our girl, Ricky, one of them. Is she, okay. I didn't understand. Was she naked in them or no? She wasn't. Yeah. But the other two. She was not. So what he did is it's like. <clears throat> I don't know why he would do this because I think it's actually rude because I don't even think because I'm even imagining in my head it doesn't fit the sequence of what you're doing like it has to have a theme it has to be um cohesive so basically one of the portraits is of Ricky and it's a beautiful portrait of her I think I'm thinking more of like a very like candid one and then the other two are nude yeah, <laughs> of Kelly a woman that painted one of his classes exactly Kelly a Kelly you put me up next to a Kelly Rowland lookalike really Ellie really and the thing is, there's another artist there who's in his class and he's like, she's like, you don't remember me? And then she whispers to Ricky and she's like, I'm also into polyamorous relationships. And Miss Della's like, what in God's name are the children doing these days? She <laughs> went and found her car. She said, she's I gotta to go. go, I've had too much. And Ricky's like, I'm not into no polyamorous relationship. But she looks over at Mr. Ali and he bounced it on his feet, looking real squirmish. Um... And then later on, the same artist is like, just to let you know, he slept with that model, the Kelly yep. Rowan lookalike. <laughs> and he's like, babe, uh, I didn't, you know, I just thought that, I don't remember what he said, but she's like, well, he's just, honesty. Well, it's, he's like, I had to sleep with her to like expand my art. Like, it's my art, my art. I was like, Miss Ricky, everybody knows not Even to you. date no New York arty, fartsy type before he starts stealing your what were those shoes those uh, Maison Margiela shoes you tabbies <laughs> Ali is definitely the kind of man who would steal you steal your tabbies, your tabbies. <laughs> and I'm just like how did you how did you end up there my girl so and he was, was gaslighting her too and everything because she was upset and he's just like okay I see you're angry I hear that that is what I I don't respond like that. I don't think you shout back I hate more than a man who doesn't really understand therapy terms yeah. that weaponizes them to sound yep, like he's sympathetic exactly. like that can make me punch you right here <laughs> okay that's what I would have done that moment and um, so then she he says, well, have you never lusted over anyone since we've been together? That would make you a hypocrite. And she says, I'm a hypocrite. It's a hypocrite, you sentient Buddha statue. And I said, <laughs> okay. So she walks away and yeah. this lady runs up to her. And she's like, I need the painting of you. I need the painting of you. Here's $5,000. Which $5, is so weird. And I said, she said, I'm not even the paint, the artist. I said, girl, you should have taken it as reparations for what that man did to you. Exactly. And then she's like, who needs this? Who is this? And she's like, it's for my boss. Like, does he have an IG? Who is this man? And she eventually gives a phone number. And then she's like, I have to go. You won't even remember me. It was, it was a little creepy. It was very creepy. Um, also, I think the woman was just like, you know, money's on an object. I would have asked for 10000 I said, double or nothing. 
Like, if money's not an object, let me see how 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 deep is that bag? I know, okay? like, she's a very honorable woman, Ricky, because she was even looking for Ali in the crowd after they had that yeah. argument, talking about, let me find the painter. Girl, no, you are the painter. Okay? <laughs> in that moment, you are Ali. Okay? She makes sure she I send the money me. after. Which... She could have taken a thousand for herself. At least something, because, girl, you have rent to pay. Like, I don't know. You have a lease. And, like, as much as I love, um, you know, Della and she's going to, you know, try and protect you, she still needs a little bit of cash, maybe. You know what I mean? She's just all I need you to do. She gave her two, the two things she had to do. You have to pay the rent in a timely fashion and just come have tea with me every Sunday. Exactly. So, you double or nothing, girl. Take, I would have asked for even 20000 Listen, I'm I'm outrageous. Honestly. And, uh, yeah. So, and maybe I'll give Ali the 5000 and I keep the rest. <clears throat> so, she does. She this lady disappears. So the next chapter, she's having her tea time with Della. She's telling Della about this. We learn a lot about Della. Like Della really sees um, Ricky as like this granddaughter that she's never had. Della doesn't have no kids. Yeah. She has no grandkids. Um, yeah. But Dr. Bennett has left her with enough money. Like he took care of everything. He put an elevator in the building. He scheduled like that man loved her. Like he's getting gross deliveries. You know, he said, I want my baby. He's not here on earth with us. You get me. He's not here on earth with us, Adelia. No, he said, I want my baby to be okay when I'm not here. Um, You know, rest in peace, Dr. Bennett, because he died in his sleep. Honestly. She's like, he was a neurologist. He was studying. It's ironic. (laughs) He died in his sleep. He died of narcolepsy. But, uh, Do you think I would die on this desk um, doing like an Excel sheet? I hope and pray not. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, like, that is, that's bizarre to me. That would scare me a little listen. bit. So, but she's telling her, she's like, I'm in therapy. I fell asleep in therapy. It's not like you have to live with grief. Like, <clears throat> it's hard for me not to. Like, this is a man who I loved endlessly. And, like, you know, yeah. and she's like, I also have a bucket list as a widow. It's like, Sleep with a woman. <laughs> what else was on her? Dye my hair. Dye my hair. Dye my hair. Um, I think she said go on a cruise. No. Yeah, and she's like, I just want to live. I just want to do things. And she's giving Ricky advice as well. She's like, Do you really want to find out who this man is who's bought your painting? And like, and she's also listening to Ricky. And Ricky opens about what her dad said. And Della doesn't say it, but she's like, You can tell this girl has not been poured into. Like, yeah. It's just been criticized, criticized, criticized. And, uh, and yeah, that's what it sounds like. You know, it, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. So, um, Della's life is, is so interesting. And I, I, she's almost like the fairy godmother in this, in this yes. book. Yeah. If, if we're following this whole magic, mysterious, you know, theme, then she's definitely that, that person that comes into your life and makes a huge difference. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just, I just love that. And especially because, you know, mother-daughter relationships are very complicated. And so when you have, you know, a, like a grandmother or someone who you can look, an elder who you can, you know, talk to and everything, it's it's nice. It fills in that gap that, you know, a lot of, a lot of daughters experience. Especially in the context of our book. <laughs> <laughs> Ms. Ricky's mother is an alcoholic who slept with her crystal healer exactly. and has been drunk since like 2000 something because it's her, just, yeah. Yeah. Um but um yeah, but then she meets up with Tuesday and Tuesday's like 
forget what your dad said we're gonna find out who this is tuesday's creepy she's that friend who's like yeah this is a landline number he may not pick up but i know how to figure out what his address is which scared me and she does it scared me and she figures it out and they show up to the house and they try to ask the neighbor and the neighbor's like are you a cop and she's like no i abolished the police defund the police she's like you're not where are you from and she's like georgia and she's like yeah i can tell um (laughs) and this man does come the beautiful gentleman they have a moment then he's like you have to leave harlem you have to leave don't look for me anymore go go and i was like oh my goodness he was very scary i was like why are you behaving like that please honestly like what is going on so um and that's how the theory said because i had the exact same theory as you like is this time travel because for him saying um go back before things get what did he say this just warning her to leave the place i'm just like what is going on here like am i am i trapped is someone coming for me um anyway they run off as they should because i would too i'd be like and honestly i've never called that number i would never go to that street again um i'll be closed off to the whole idea of who this mysterious benefactor is i'm just going on with my life honestly um so then we jump into chapter six which is the last one we're going to talk about today um and essentially my girl she not my girl so ezra breeze breeze yeah yeah i said wait a minute now so we're back in the 20s is now 1927 and yeah um we're the the eden lounge is now a competitor to the cotton club which is an all-white club that duke ellington plays at and serves chinese food where the eden lounge serves jamaican food and our Lucky boy Bruce Walker me. plays there. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the place smells again of night blossoming jasmine and like yeah. I think he even has a song called like Night Blossom Jasmine or something. Um, but Does he? Yeah, I think so. He mentions the the journalist mentions the songs. Ah, uh, right, 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 right. Um, yeah. But he's just like taking stock of like his life. Like he after the he wins the piano contest, he becomes Duke Duke Ellington takes him under his wing, teaches him how to write and read music. Um, and from there he like essentially he, grow. he grows. He meets a bunch of other artists who are helping him yeah. and you know, now he's playing at the Eden Lounge and at the end of the day, like he's still a shell of himself because he misses his family, like Fallon County yeah. feels so far away, but like his family is something that he can't really get rid of. Shake. Yeah. And just and like- he talked about it a lot. Um, talking about in this city, right? Like he, he thinks about his family, but he said he cannot let it drown him because in the city, if you let something like that happen to you, you then you're completely lost. Yeah. And makes that comparison to to Sonny, which is very shocking to find out that unfortunately he ended up having a uh heroin addiction. Um, thing because I'm always like, why is it wherever music and like artistry follows, drug abuse comes right next to it? Like, because I had to ask myself, I was like, whoa, wait, is this? No, this is not the the war on drugs. Like, this is a different time period. But like, oh, like it's just it was so yeah. saddening. But I guess what broke him was the incident. Like, Sonny got too bold. Like, because he did say he's yeah. like. I was like, why are you dating a white woman in the street? Yeah, he was lip-syncing a white woman in the street in 1927. Like, hey, I'm sorry. 
You're not supposed to be doing that. They beat him so bad. The cops beat him so bad that he was start standing naked there. And I think the tr- this, the trauma and the humiliation took him back to him escaping yeah. that fire that happened back in um, um, Phelan. Phelan, Montana? Fallon County. Fallon, Fallon County. And I found it's in Montana. Okay. Um, and Wait. I think that the trauma and the pain just carried Montana's carried him. So I I, I want to believe it is a made up place. Maybe it is, but it says here Fallon. Is it Fallon like Jimmy Fallon? Yeah. Fallon County um is a con- county located in the US state of Montana. Let's see. Let's That's see. what it says here. Okay, you you keep talking while I come for South Carolina. Uh, so South Carolina? Yeah, so I think so there's another- made it up made it up yeah here and it's a it's it has straight lines let me tell you the people who put maps together what were you thinking anyway um it's very sad and so as so we when we get into this chapter he's actually just um he's doing his rehearsals with his band he's a leader of the band you know like they listen to him he's yeah. he's almost a friendly rival to duke elton that's what mm-hmm. they're saying they say if you're gonna close if you really shut your eyes and and listen they kind of sound similar. So I'm assuming like he's that big of an artist at this point. And so he's getting, he's just rehearsing with his band. Um, there's an interviewer coming in and there's a, there's keeps this knocking on the back door. And we find out later on, it's actually Sonny. And like, he's, he constantly goes to the back door asking like, can you, you know, give me a shilling? Mm. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Can I... <laughs> <laughs> he's like, can I get a, get a couple bucks, please? He's like, can I get a couple bucks, please? <laughs> Shillings, y'all. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I'm okay to use shillings, okay? So I always <laughs> think shillings sometimes. Um, and it was just really sad because you know he sh- Sonny showed up with a the, the decrepit dog, um, and it it was just really sad. And there's something that he said that was the parting words essentially. So Breeze oh. Ezra asked, said like, listen, like remember, like, I want I want I want you to get better. Remember what you said, like don't let. America, don't make America humble a um there's no what is it? A humble Negro. There's no Negro. And then Sonny replied said, I've been humbled. Yeah. That almost made me cry. Yeah. Because I think he came into New York just, you know, excited with new opportunity, escaping his past. His past caught up with him. He ended up being a drug addict. His friend is surviving. And it's and I think it just adds more to him it's not about his like you know, it's his, cousin. his cousin, his cousin, like his cousin. Him cousin. and Sunny grew up houses next to each other with no electricity, yeah. no running water. Like my cousin is just your play cousin. I think he's his real ass cousin. So you know, he grew up in that sense, and like his real fa- his immediate family is dead, and now the only family member he had is like essentially dead. That's the way he sees him, right? Um, yeah. And he he even says like. It, it makes them all think about everything that's happened to him like the church and everything and he says like the way it's worked like time has passed like seven five years so people's children and which is what we say all the time like especially now do not let some of these people forget that their family members were out here having picnics at lynchings because people won't even know that their fathers and grandfathers were out here burning churches and he said yeah. what you haven't on what the hell did i write sorry what you haven't like claimed essentially i don't remember what i wrote but he says essentially if you haven't sat with your sins you are bound to repeat them like if you haven't acknowledged yeah. them which is so yeah. true because the, yeah, listen 
the white people went on and kept burning things. <laughs> they, they, they got to doing where they started burning things in other countries. No, <laughs> no repressions, no n- nothing. No. And they went to other people's no lands, pretended that they were the chosen people, and started burning down the the churches and the mosques over there. <laughs> yes, they did. And they said, "You see, look, look what you made us do." <laughs> Listen. <laughs> So you guys that don't sounds know. like somebody you know. I'm not gonna say who it is, but if it sounds like somebody you know, that's all I'm gonna say on that. But um, yeah, yeah I mean, then, it's no. Go ahead, Adelia. No, I don't even know what I was gonna say. <laughs> I was just gonna move on because I think him saying that I've been humble, taking the money and leaving, and leaving the dog behind is just. It's. I feel like that. I don't. I think this might be the last time we're gonna see Sonny. Maybe that's it. Not. I really hope not. I hope you can recover from it, but... I, you uh, know what? I'm going to put it out there. Miss Tia, last time we read a book... Yes, again. You gave Shane a little boy to watch over. You know what? And the last she time we saw him, him, you killed him. If you kill Sonny, <laughs> you'll be getting a strongly worded DM from me. <laughs> okay? she, she does have a little bit of a track record there. Please don't so. do this to me. I'm not in a mental space to handle that. <laughs> but um, right, neither am I, I. Obviously, I want Sonny to recover, but for me, when you're down and when you're down, down, down that rabbit hole, you can't really see the light, and it is what it is. Um. Anyway, he has an interview with this white um interviewer who clearly has that same element that a lot of them have. They, they like to hang out in the speakeasy, like, mm, I love black culture, but. <laughs> doesn't really yeah doesn't really get it she said like when she um, said please call me olive he's like oh so she's liberated and liberal exactly <laughs> you don't know what that means <laughs> right um and he talks about I, when every time he's asked about where like he came from he yeah. always talks about starting from new york he never goes yeah <laughs> goes be past that because it's it's too it's too much well, i would never tell anyone about it he says <laughs> my thoughts that. are a graveyard which yeah is- that's so like I just want to hug him and again oh not this (laughs) for those who do not know Odilia has an extremely sensitive heart to little black boys as well as men who go through little girls little black girls and little black women yes you do but there is a particular spot like if there was room for dessert Odilia has the room for this particular sensation when it comes to male characters in our books like this um i'm sorry like you guys give the male characters such traumatic stories and i'm almost left no choice but to want to put them in my arm and be like it's okay like what what other choice do i have (laughs) like y'all gave ricky a nice house and you know just some emotionally vacant parent who amongst us doesn't have that (laughs) like She ain't special. <laughs> no, she's not her. You don't, you don't have an individual story, Ricky. No. Ricky, we all have the same story here. <laughs> or something similar. But like, I just... Yeah, like, it's very similar. But then you no, it's, this it's one. Very... Like, you killed his whole family in a church. Like, hello? Yeah. And like, what? Like, uh, they were... How old are they? They were in their early 20s. Yeah, so he said after he didn't talk for four years, he moved to New York at 23, so that he went to so, war in yes. 1917, came back 1919, so that puts him at... He was like 19. Yeah, quick math. 
very young. I remember when I was 19, I I think if anything in that extreme form happened to me at 19, yeah, I would I would go in the pipe. Anyway, and so <laughs> swear, I'm not going to lie to you. I think sometimes I think to myself, if things did not turn out the way they have for me yeah. now, I'm just like, you guys, I understand when you guys say Everybody's I've been humble. Like, I understand. Everybody's just a tragedy or two from like really yeah. losing it. Like realistically, like genuinely losing it. We're just, like, yeah. I don't even say two. I say just one <laughs> horrible tragedy can change the trajectory of your life like no other. So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate, but we, let's let's pray that Sonny will make another a reappearance and is better, um, and maybe can end up being like their manager or some something. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but how this chapter ends is um, after the interviewer, I think an understudy. They have dancers on stage. Lo and behold, the dancers. <laughs> lo and behold, um, one of them I guess like strains their ankle or something and then the understudy replaces her mm -hmm. and he stares at this new girl and i think he's just like that's gonna be like the person who's gonna destroy me of some sorts i think that's remember how the chapter ends but i'm assuming this is gonna be a love interest coming through but okay this is my third my third theory my yeah. third theory is that this is ezra and ricky's grandparents ah so the woman oh. is like a wild like oh a wild woman yeah and who's been embodied in in ricky's sensibilities because her sisters are completely different yes either it's like her grandmother or like but like somewhere along the lineage that's my third theory of what's to come from this book essentially yeah but time traveler is what i really have my so my you know yeah <laughs> even though the prologue makes it sound like something magical like yeah. that is happening so I'm just like, it has to, time travel is where I, the instant I said, yeah, this is time travel for sure. When he said, go, leave Har Harlem, I said, oh. How about you Listen. leave Harlem? You should go somewhere else, King. <laughs> yeah, but, strange. Yeah. But that, but yeah. yeah, that's the first six chapters of a love song for Ricky Wilde. Easy, Adelia. That was nice. Yeah, and I love it already. Like I said, I'm really excited to see where this, like, <laughs> I love oh. it. And I love Breeze. Like, I can't, like, <laughs> You guys, um, I was a little skeptical because, you know, I've been burnt before. And so I walked <laughs> into the situation a little bit more rational and everything, uh, rational. Uh, but when I op when I read chapter three, the tingling began. I said, oh, no, my mind has been activated. <laughs> now I care. <laughs> now I care about every character, how they proceed, who treats them well, who treats them badly. I have enemies, you know what I mean, officially. Hey. Oh my God! Let me tell her uh, her sisters. Oh, Rashida, Regia, Ray, or whatever they I call them. Sisters. Yeah, I have sisters, and I feel like these are just mean girls straight up. Yes, there is no love there because how could you talk to me that way? You know what I mean? Like, why are you trying to isolate me or make me feel stupid when I don't think I am? You're just you're just someone who's been mis misunderstood. Please don't let my girl be misunderstood. Okay, or Tanina Simone. Um, um, that's my favorite Nina Simone song, actually. But um, yeah, um, I think they're jealous of her. I really do because she gets to make yeah. all these mistakes, and she's the youngest, and like they forgive. And I feel like the three of them don't. 
they understand. Got, yeah, they never got that gray. So they're like, okay, listen, Kourtney Kardashian, I feel like if you have a problem, you can, you don't have to follow, but they follow each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they just, they just, they have the same attitude. Like no one's an individual with the Regina, George, Ray trio. I don't, I don't know what the trio name is called, but you know what I mean? It's like Regina uh, Ray or something that they call them in the book. Anyway, those are my enemies right now. Um, I will do anything to protect Ricky and Ezra, so watch out. Yeah. But I'm activated now. T. Williams, oh God, you did it. Oh, you did it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Um, and it's perfect, you guys, because again, tomorrow is a leap year. So ugh, when this episode drops, it's going to feel magical for me as well. Okay. I believe in it. I believe in love. I believe in, I believe in something that's happening. I don't know. After reading the book, the first couple chapters, I said, yep, <laughs> that's it. Lana is so easy for her to fall. Like it, all it takes, if something bad, like for instance, right now, love is blind is out. If something <laughs> bad happens on there, she'll be like, I don't believe in love anymore. Put Cameron and Lauren back on the screen. I believe in love again. Like love is real. Like she bounces back and forth. I can't keep up. Like Wendy Williams said one time on her show during the hot topic segment, mm. women are allowed to be fickle. Okay. <laughs> I can move left, right, north, south, east, west. There is no problem. I'm a woman. I'm allowed. Okay. Well that's my piece. Hoping Miss Wendy's having a good day because I heard she's got bad too. But um yeah. Yeah, so next time we see y'all next week, it will be March crazy to, um, yeah, we'll be reading chapters 7 to 12. I'm doing math. That's six chapters. Yeah, uh-huh. And uh, we cannot wait to see what's happening in <coughs> uh, time travel. But, um, yeah, and if we want to know how y'all feel, if, you know, if you've read the book, do you love it? Do you hate it? Um, anything we discuss, you know, and you can reach out to us on all our socials, which is at Romantically Lit on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. I know. Yes, you can watch today's episode on YouTube if you're listening to it. It's our first one on the YouTube for real, for real like that. But, um, and also send us an email at at Romantically, nope, send us an email at Romantically Lit at gmail.com. Every time it gets me. Right I know, journey. girl. Listen, it's not about the journey; it's about uh, about the destination. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, we love it. We love that for you. Have a great hump day, guys, because it is Wednesday. So I guess have a great rest of your week. All right. Take care. Bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye.